You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Miracles, where we take a behind-the-scenes look at the miracles of Jesus and how they can apply to our everyday life. Glad everybody is here this morning um, with five guys in our household, um, uh, four of which are little guys, and uh, one of which is uh, a big guy or medium-sized guy or, you know, however you want to classify me, but, uh, you know, a bigger than little guy. Uh, uh, if, if breakfast doesn't come at some sort of decent time in the morning, uh, things could get pretty hairy around our household. Uh, things can get kind of uh, on edge and angry and uh, some, some dumb things can be said and some dumb things that can, can be done because, because when you get hungry... You can do some pretty dumb things and say some pretty, uh, pretty dumb things. Uh, you know, uh, Justin, if Cheryl doesn't feed you right away, you know, like things get, yeah, things get rough. Things get bad real quick. And, you know, with five of us in the household like that, things could get bad really, really quick if, if, if the hunger is not satisfied. In fact... Snickers has made a whole line of commercials around that, right? The crazy things that we say and we do and we act uh, when we get hungry. You know, uh, you, you, you're supposed to you know, satisfy your hunger with the Snickers. Because we can do some pretty crazy things if we get hungry. We're four weeks into a series called Miracles. And, 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 and we're taking a look at the seven miracles of Jesus that John wrote about when he wrote about Jesus' life. And maybe some of you are like, ah, I don't know about miracles. And this Jesus guy, he's pretty interesting. He's pretty, uh, pretty fascinating. He's got some pretty good teachings and stuff. Uh, but I don't know. Miracles, maybe they're good stories. Maybe they're, they're, they're exaggerated stories or myths in order to get a story out of it or a point out of it. But I don't know about the miracle. You know what? I'm glad you're here. I'm not here to convince you about Jesus' miracles and them being true. Now, I will say that John was an eyewitness to every one of these miracles. He walked with Jesus for two and a half to three years, and uh, he, he was there. But John also wrote his book about Jesus in order to progress people's faith, in order to grow people's faith, grow people's belief in Jesus, no matter where you're at. And so if you struggle with the concept of a miracle, that's okay. Because we are here to meet you right where you are and grow your belief in Jesus no matter where you're at. But if you're like me, you've heard about these same miracles since preschool, Sunday school. You're like a little flannel boy, and here's Jesus. And, and in fact, uh, now, now that I think about this, I probably should have like, got a flannel board for this series. I really probably should have. And because it take us back to vanilla wafers and the smell of, of Sunday school nursery. How on earth can every church on the face of the earth that had a Sunday school nursery smell the same way? But anyway... <laughs> If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably better off that way. But anyway, uh, uh, going back, you're like, he's done the same miracles since preschool, Sunday school. They always end the same way. Uh, I don't know. They're kind of amazing. They are amazing. But at the same time, I'm just left going, isn't there more? Isn't there more? Is there a way to progress my belief who's, who's seen and read the same miracles from, from, from preschool? Is there some way to progress my belief as well in these? And this series is about growing belief and progressing belief and seeing, and seeing our faith in Jesus progress and grow. And we've had a base equation that we've seen throughout this series. 
that the sum of our belief and our desire, the sum of those, equal action. That our belief, if we believe in something, and our desire, that we desire it bad enough, it'll lead to action. No matter what, this is, this is the case in, in spiritual things, this is the case in life. If you want to build a company and you believe it should be built and you desire it to be built, guess what you're going to go do? You're going to build a company. Or you're going to run for school board or run for city council or do this or do that. It doesn't matter. If your belief is big enough and your desire is big enough, you're going to act on it. The first week, we took a look at the purity that Jesus wants to give us. And really, this, that's the action that we're looking at, the, 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 the purity that Jesus wants to give us. And the next week, we looked at the belief and the progressive belief that Jesus meets us where we're at, but he refuses to keep us that way, and he wants to progress our belief and grow our belief in him. And last week, we took a look at the equation of hopelessness, that, 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 that if, 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 if the actions required are less that, or greater than, I'm sorry, the belief and the desire that we become hopeless, that we can't do that. But we can also lack hope. That if we've got misguided actions and the wrong belief and the wrong desire, we'll, we'll actually have a false hope. But Jesus brings us hope because the actions are always, the actions that he requires are always less than the belief and the desire. All he's looking for is people to hear and follow him. No matter where you're at, to hear and follow him. He's like, that's, that's, that's all I want you to do. That's all I want you to do. And so far in this series is something we've left out. There's something we haven't hit, and it's the desire. It's the hunger inside of us. And for some of us, maybe as soon as I hit, say hunger or desire or passion, maybe you're like, hold on a minute. I've been told, I've been told in church growing up and in being in church that we're supposed to have no desire, no hunger. We're supposed to get rid of those desires because desires are bad. You know what? That's not a biblical worldview. That's a stoic worldview that's, that's, that stands outside of the Bible. That's not the worldview that Jesus wants us to have, that God wants us to have. He wants us to have desires. But we know because desires are strong, we know that desires can be put in the wrong direction. And Jesus does a couple of miracles. We're going to take a look at two miracles. I'm going to tell the story. They're found in John chapter 6, uh, 1 through 21. I'm going to tell the stories of the miracles and then dive down deep because, because the chap chapter 6, we're going to be taking a look at the whole chapter. It has 72 verses. And some of you are like, oh no, 72 verses. What are you going to do with 72 verses? I'm going to cut my time by five minutes. Watch this. Watch this. You don't believe in miracles? You will when we're done. <laughs> 72 verses, I'm going, to die. I'm going to tell the story of the miracles and I'm going to dive down deep into, into, into the teaching that, because Jesus actually gave a teaching behind this miracle. And we're going to dive down deep in the teaching, the miracle behind the miracle and the story behind the story and we're going to take a look at that. But Jesus and his, and, and his guys, his disciples, they'd had a rough time of ministry. Uh, he had sent out the 12 in order to do ministry on their own. And they came back. And, and, and about this time, John the Baptist, which was, which was Jesus' cousin and also the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist was beheaded. And Jesus was kind of upset about that, right? Jesus was still human. And, and you, your family member gets beheaded, you're going to be depressed, right? Unless it was a cousin you don't... Well, anyway, um, but uh, uh, it, it, you're going to be depressed. So they came back, and Jesus was like, let's go away. Let's go up to the Sea of Galilee, and uh, let's have some R&R. &R. Let's, let's relax. Let's debrief. Let's, let's get recharged, and, 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 and let, let's go at this again. And so they get away. 
But, 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 it was like a Southwest commercial, you know, want to get away. And, and they wanted to get away, and they, but, but they couldn't get away because Jesus had been doing so many miracles that when people got wind of him leaving, what did they do? They, they left, they went, and they followed him. And they followed him up to the Sea of Galilee. And it said that this was, you know, we've had some pretty decent crowds. And it said a crowd followed him. We've had some pretty decent crowds. But the crowds that followed him was 5,000 men. I mean, they stopped counting with the men. 5,000 men. We're talking about 10,000. We're talking about 15,000, maybe 20,000 people. Thousands, tens of thousands of people following Jesus. Then they get up to the Sea of Galilee where they, they were going to rest, and then all of a sudden these people started coming up. I know, I know that if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, come on. We just want to get away. We just want to have some time, you know, and especially the introverts in, in the disciples, like, people, go away. I need a nap. But Jesus cared for these people because he saw these people in need and saw that these people were searching for something and seeking something that the religious leaders weren't giving them. They were, they were hungry for something that the religious leaders weren't giving them. And he, so he did miracles and he, he taught them all day long and it was getting to nighttime and the disciples started to get nervous because there's 5,000 men. I just talked about the five guys that are in my household. But 5,000 hungry men. That's a problem. That's a big problem. I mean, they didn't have any Taco Bell in the area. They didn't have any fast food, no hot dog stands or chalupa stands. Or, or, or they didn't even have the guys going through like popcorn, 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 right? Not even the concession guys there. There was no option for any food. And the disciples were starting to get nervous. And what are we going to do? And send them away. And they kind of pretend that they're compassionate for the crowd. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sure that they're just like, let them go away. And Jesus, it says that Jesus wanted to test the disciples. Wanted to test the disciples. And, and, and so he probably got a smile on his face and go, you do something. Think we should do something? You do something. And one disciple goes, Jesus, if we... If it's 200 denarii, which a denarii was, was a day's wages, 200 days wages, two-thirds of a year. I mean, couldn't even pay for enough food for these people. And then another disciple co comes up, and apparently, you know, this boy got it from, you know, uh, our, our entrepreneur here of, of, of uh, hey, I've got five loaves and two fish from this kid, but, I mean, what are they for so many? Jesus probably got a smile on his face. Hey. Have them all sit down. One translation said, uh, Jesus had them all sit down for there is much grass in the place. And some of you are like, well, I got your hunger problem right there. They got the munchies. No, 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 no. This isn't Colorado. This isn't Colorado, all right? That's not the problem. It was a grassy no. There was a lot of just empty space there. So Jesus had them all sit down. The disciples set them down. One, one, one of the stories of, of this, actually this is the only story that all four Gospels actually tell the story. One of the stories said that they, 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 they sat down in groups of like 50 and, and organized them and all. And, and Jesus said, had them sit down and he took the loaves and took the fish and prayed over them. <laughs> and and it, 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 that's not, you know, when we sit down and pray for our food, we're like, just, you know, we just hope it goes down well. And maybe do other things well, you know, and be safe and stuff. Uh, we don't pray, Lord, multiply this hamburger. Right? 
And so Jesus prays over the food and blesses the food and um, starts giving it to the disciples and say, hand this out. Could you imagine what's going on in the disciples' mind at this time? Like, this ain't going to cover one group, Jesus. Like, seriously, hand this out? This is going to end bad for, for, for us. This is going to be embarrassing and humiliating when, when only like three people get to eat. And my wife and I have talked about this miracle at other, other times. And, you know, as, as interesting a blind man being healed, and as amazing that is, you, you don't really see anything with that. But, like, did they pull off a piece, and when they passed it, like, it grew back? How did, how did, that ha- how did it happen? How did it happen that 5,000 men, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people get all fed? But, 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 but when everything was done, Jesus is like, hey, boys, take, take those baskets and uh, go pick up all the food. Finally, <laughs> like, pick up all the food. What do you mean? I mean there's not going to be anything left over. They ended up picking up 12 baskets for one for each of them. And then Jesus told his disciples, hey, 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 fellas, why don't you go on to the, to the other side of the lake. Let's, let's try and get away. I'll send off the crowds, and I'm going to go up on the mountain on the hill and pray. So Jesus sent the crowd and, 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 and went up on the hill and prayed. But then the Sea of Galilee, uh, there's mountains all around it. And what would happen would be a, a storm would brew up in the middle of these mountains, but then get stuck because of the mountains. And f- at least four of the disciples were fishermen. I mean, expert fishermen, expert boatsmen. And they got stuck. Something that, a, a journey that should have only taken two or three hours. They got stuck in the middle of the sea all night long, raging against this storm that was raging against them. And they were scared to death. They were freaking out. And then Judas was probably back there in the boat going, hey, you know, that you fishermen can't do this. And, you know, doubting Thomas were like, oh, we're all going to die. And then all of a sudden they look up. And as other gospels have, have, have said, it looked like something like a ghost was coming to them, walking out on the water. And Mark says, Mark says, which is, when I read this, when I, when I discovered this, I just couldn't stop chuckling because, because of the fun, the, just the, this is funny, that Mark said that Jesus intended to pass them by, walking on the water, like, he's just trucking out on the water, walking, hey fellas, what's taking you so long, you know, like, <laughs> the, the, the boys are just like, Whoa! Hold on a minute! Time out! Stop! What? What? And John says they were eager to let them let him into the boat. I mean, I would be too. And it said that as soon as he got into the boat, the storm stopped, and they were at the other side of the lake. The story is about hunger. The story is about desire. And the story is about people who put their desire in the wrong spot. But it's also about people who put their desire in the right spot. What it looks like to put our desire in the right spot. But also, what it looks like to not lose our desire, but to keep our desires. And to keep our hunger. And to keep our passion. 
So as the crowd woke up the next morning and saw that the disciples had left and knew the disciples had left and saw that Jesus was nowhere to be found and wondering about that, and so they make their way around the lake and they find Jesus. And in John 6, 25, they said, they, the crowd, found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Your disciples took the only boat there. Then you disappeared. How did you get here? When did you get here? The disciples are in the background going, y'all don't want to know. We're still kind of freaked about that one. And Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you? Not because you understood the miraculous signs. You're following me. They wanted to make him king. I mean, they're saying, imagine this dude's welfare program. Nobody's going to ever go hungry. If he can feed people like that. They wanted to make him king by force. And Jesus was telling them, look, 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 look. I know you're not following me because you understand what these miraculous signs are about. You just want, you just want the spectacular. You just want the miraculous. You just want the buzz out of seeing something interesting. One place, the first place that we can misplace our desire is into the spectacular. And how I define the spectacular is anything, anything that we want to get a buzz off of. That we could get a buzz off of. So for life, that's, that's sex and relationships, that's addictions, that's fame, that's prestige, that's money, that's promotion. For putting our desire into the buzz, our desire into spectacular, what happens when we achieve one level of buzz? We want the next level of buzz, don't we? It's never enough. We want the next level of buzz. And this is what the people want. They, we just, they just wanted the next level of buzz. But also, also, we can be religiously spectacular as well. And as a new church, as a church plant, we want to speak contextually to our community in which our community is, is willing to listen. But at the same time, we as a church can... can can desire after the cool, after the spectacular, after, after week in and week out of, of wanting to one-up ourselves and be better and, 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 and chase after the buzz. But also, those of you that grew up in youth group, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> youth group, for the most part, their spiritual development plan was going buzz to buzz to buzz to buzz to buzz. Thursday night of camp. Anybody? Anybody? Thursday night of camp? Tears, snot, flying everywhere. I mean, Jesus showed up because everybody cried. Huh? <laughs> Why do we want... What? And our spiritual growth program is, let's just go buzz to buzz to buzz. And we desire the buzz, and the next buzz has to, be, has to be bigger than the buzz before. We can see this everywhere in life. But there's another group of people, and Jesus kept teaching them about where to place their hunger and, 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 and where to go with their hunger. And He also started to get, kind of get out there a little bit. He started talking, about, talking with them about, but you know what, it, it, unless you eat my flesh and unless you drink my blood, you, you, you'll never have eternal life. And, 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 and in fact, before he even said that, he kind of he veiled said it. He figuratively said it. But then, but then the crowd was like, hold on a second here. Are you telling me what, what are you telling me about eating flesh? What? 
And instead of backing up, instead of Jesus going, ah, that's not really what I meant, or, or, or no, 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 this is, this is, this is, it was, that was all a metaphor, and this is what I mean, Jesus actually went further. He went further, and he kept going with the metaphor. And I'm sure the disciples were like, hey, you should have stopped when, with, with, the, with the metaphor, bro. And so he's like, I know, what, I know what the disciples feel like, because there's a lot of times when I wish that you would stop. Hey, look, I'm just following after Jesus, okay? But then, after Jesus kind of went weird on them, here's what, he, here's what happened, 660. Many of his disciples said, his disciples, people following him around, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think when you, if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? I mean, just these words are offending you? What will happen when you see me floating into the sky? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew which ones would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And this this is the desire that we especially have to be careful of in Bible Belt Suburbia America. It's the desire of normal. And what I mean is, what I mean is, is those that are hungering for normal are those who are hungering for safety. Hungering for normal. These people, these people, these disciples are like, whoa, when things just got weird, I'm out. I want normal. I want a guy that's going to come in, defeat the Roman army, make, make Israel just like what it was when David and Solomon was, were kings. We were rich. We were the world's superpower. Everything was nice and everything was normal. I want normal. I want safe. And now you're going into an area that's not normal and not safe. And for what, what, and, and, and what it looks like for us is this. We want a normal spouse, right? Some of you need to work on that. But anyway. You want a normal spouse. You want a normal house. You want 2.5 kids, but don't tell the 0.5 kid that he's the 0.5 kid, Right? You want a couple of pets. You want a couple of cars. You want a two-car garage. Not for the cars, but all the normal stuff that we've got that we don't use. And we want a normal church to show up at and to sit at and to get a nice sermon and have some nice, normal songs so that we can give our nice, normal tithe so that we can have a nice, normal, spiritual life. If you want a normal, safe life, don't follow Jesus. Because as soon as you start he hearing and following Jesus, He's going to ask you, and He's going to lead you beyond the normal.
But if we desire a normal life, that's exactly what we'll get. A normal, safe, suburban, American life. That's what we'll get. So what are we supposed to desire after? If we're supposed to have a desire, if they're not supposed to go away, what are we supposed to desire after? Well, at this point in time, somewhere around 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people have all of a sudden left Jesus. That's a bad sermon day, right? I mean, you know, you preach a sermon and 20,000 people leave your church in one day. <laughs> Turns around. There's 12 people left. 12 people left. Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied. Some of us that know Simon Peter's background are like, oh no, he's opening his mouth again. <laughs> this is one that he got right. Lord, to whom would we go? <laughs> we just saw you feed 10,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. To whom else would we go? Look, look, Jesus... My toga still stinks because of what happened on that boat. It was bad enough when there was a storm on the sea, but watching this figure come across the water, that just did me in. We were literally scared to death. And you got in that boat and gave us life. Who else are we going to go to? Where else are we going to go? You have the words that give eternal life. You have the words that give eternal life. Where, where else are we going to go? Here's what Jesus wants. He wants us to desire life. Capital L. Life. Hungering for life. Hungering for Him. See, he wants us to take all the desires that we have and put them into a desire for him. And he wants to take all those desires that we have and satisfy them. That's why when he says, when you come to me, you'll never hunger again. When you come to me, you'll never thirst. Because when we give that, when we take that hungering and that passion and that desire and that thirsting and we, we filter it through Him, we'll never desire, we'll never hunger, we'll never thirst for the, for the buzz and thirst for the normal. Thirst for Him and He wants to satisfy those desires. Look, I'm going to say something completely outrageous. He doesn't want us to not desire sex. He wants to filter that through Him. We never get married. 
if it wasn't for that. That's not the only reason why we get married, but hello? You don't start talking to somebody just because you're just like, oh, they look, they're interesting to talk to. No, there's something right that's happening. Filter that through him. God doesn't want us to not desire to do well in our jobs, to do well in our community, to do well. He, he wants us to filter that desire through him. Our referee in this, I was thinking about this and thinking about this yesterday going to St. Louis and uh, refereeing and, and, and got, uh, kind of got an opportunity there. But I was, as I was wrestling over this, this message and thinking about desire and thinking about that desire that I've, that I've got, am I trying to take the refereeing desire around Jesus or through Jesus? The reason why I would want to take it around Jesus is because I wouldn't want him to kill it, right? See, I don't trust him enough that if he does move me out of that realm, that he's got something greater. I want to keep this because it's my deal. Or do I want to filter it through Jesus because the opposite could be true as well. He could do more with that than what I could do. He wants us to filter every desire, every hungering, every thirsting, every passion through Him and He wants to be the satisfaction to our desire, to our hungering, to our thirsting. See, what happened? What happened? Jesus took just a little bit, right? And maybe that's what you feel like right now. You know what? I, I just got a little bit. I just got a little bit. I, I can't give him much. I, I just got a little bit. Well, so did this little boy. What can he do with just a little bit of desire? What can he do? Feed people in abundance, right? On the other side of, of putting it into Jesus, it... But if we try and go around him, it'll suck the life right out of him. But also, when we put our desire, when we put our satisfaction into Jesus, we, we are going to be left at times where we're scared to death. Look, I, I'm scared to death right now of, 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 of leading into the next stage of Crosspoint because we've never been there before. I've never been there before. But I feel like God is giving us the steps, one step at a time, one hear and follow at a time. Just asking him to get in the boat. Calm the waves and get us there. But if we try to put our desire and go around Jesus with our desire, the storm will stay there. The anxiety will stay there. The chaos will stay there. We'll just keep trying to make our own way and not figuring it out. 
do we put our desire, our hunger, our passion into Jesus alone? See, in the middle of all this, He still gives us our equation. It's not just about desire alone because He knows that our desire can go in the wrong spot. John 6, 27 says this, Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man could give you. For, the God, for God, the Father, has given me the seal of His approval. They replied, the crowd replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Now the crowd is like, okay, fine. You're not going to be our king. You're not going to give us the most awesome welfare program on the face of this earth. Fine. So teach us how to do that. Teach us to do what you just did. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Look, you're putting your desire in the wrong spot, fellas. Believe in the one he has sent. Desire for Jesus alone and a belief that he alone is the one that wants to work will lead us to the action that he wants. Our job description alone is to believe in Jesus. That's it. That's, it. That's all he wants us to do. He's not, he's not putting on our backs to do miraculous works. All he's put on our backs is to hear and follow him, to desire him, to believe in Him, so therefore we hear and follow Him wherever we're at. Whatever stage of life we're in. No matter if we're just kind of coming around to this Jesus thing, or if we've been trying to do this for decades. All He asks you to do right now, desire Him alone, Believe he is the only one that can do anything of worth to give life, hear and follow. Some of you, like, this seems like it's more towards Christians. And you know what? You're probably, you're probably right a little bit there. But there's probably something deep down inside you that also says, you know what? I have a tendency to want the buzz. I have a tendency to want the normal. Is there something greater? Look, when we follow Jesus, He's going to give us an adventure. We start with doing an adventure with the block party. We're getting out of our comfort zone and going and do something and sacrificing and spending our time and spending our efforts to connect people. To serve people. But one day he's going to call us to some place in America. One day he's going to call us to some place in the world to go to and spread his gospel to. One day some of you are going to give up jobs to come on staff here. Some of you are going to give up jobs to start a nonprofit. Some of you are going to get out. He's going to call you out of your comfort zone to move on up in your current job and to, and to give more into your marketplace. He's going he's to give you the spectacular. But is the spectacular going to be what we're going after? Or is it simply Jesus? But maybe you're like, oh, go to another country and another tough country and maybe a country where we could be persecuted and put in jail and die. 
If we hunger for normal, we're like, I'll stay in my safe little house. To which Jesus would simply reply, I think I've got a better safety plan than you have. Heaven with me. Which safety plan do you want to desire after? A nice house with a two-car garage and a seat belt in our car? Or the safety plan that says as soon as you die, you are with me This doesn't mean we'd be foolish. But this also does mean that we hear and follow Him anywhere. Which do you desire? Spectacular? Normal? Or Jesus? Which is it? The question is the same for everybody this morning. Do you desire Jesus alone? Because he will satisfy. As the psalmist says, desires of our heart. Man's going to have a time where they play and we're going to reflect and, and pray about what God is saying to us as individuals but our desire for him. Myself, I'll be back there. Shelly will be back in the room if you need to pray with somebody and talk with somebody and we encourage you to do that. This is a safe place to talk with people. But I want you to ask yourself the question and ask God on behalf of yourself. Do I desire Jesus? Do I desire Jesus alone? Do I believe that He is the man? That He alone can give me life? Do I desire Jesus alone? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. I pray that You will move in our midst. That You will move in our heart. Let us see what You're doing and how You're moving. Lead us to a desire that is alone for you. And Lord, let us see that you will blossom the desires that are already there if we just filter them and let you satisfy them. And then, and then on the other end, you'll give us 12 basketfuls of the desire that we couldn't have done that if it was just us. Lord, help us to desire you tonight, tomorrow, the same way we desire you right now as we're focused in on you. Should you that pray? Amen. Go ahead and stand with us. Sing. Worship the God that satisfies your desires. But also go ask, is my hunger for Jesus? Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We truly hope that this progresses your belief in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook by searching My Crosspoint.